1: Ty's got good hair.
2: James, talked to a lot of fans this week. They could not be more jacked for this upcoming baseball season, preseason top five. Take us through what it's like to be a player on opening day and opening weekend.
4: Hey, good morning, Ty. Yeah, it's uh, it's as as exciting as a player, I'd say, as a fan, you know, especially it's starting to warm up, you're starting to feel it in the air a little bit, and, and, you know, everything is kind of building until we finally get to opening day, but most of the players are just ready to get there. I think they're ready to get started. New guys are ready to get a taste of what it's like playing the SEC. The returners are ready to just you know have a good start to a new season.
2: I'm looking at the weather right now. It's 55 degrees is the high. Got a little percentage of precipitation. You remember, were there some just frigid cold days on opening day? Because I know Fayetteville is not always the uh, the warmest this time of year.
4: But my, my freshman year, I remember the weather was amazing, and we had a ton of people there. It was it was wild. It gets similar, in 15, my sophomore year, but then junior year, it was horribly cold. We were shoveling snow the week before, trying to get the field ready to play. Um, we didn't practice for like three days. We just shoveled snow because we wanted to you know, get the games on so bad. Um, so yeah, the, especially the bullpen guy or the pitchers, when it's cold, it's terrible. I know the hitters will probably say, no, it's worse for us, it's hard to hit when it's cold, but... No one likes playing when it's cold. It's the way it is, but they'll they'll deal with it and figure
3: it out. Yeah, James, having that indoor facility that and it's been there a few years, but have you noticed a difference in the program? And what does that provide your team as far as that option to get work in when the weather isn't good, like we saw a few weeks ago, when it was you know below zero at times overnight, and you had sleet and snow and ice on the ground? What what difference oh, yeah. does that indoor facility make for a program like Arkansas?
4: i think you're light years ahead because you can do real practice you have the space and you know, a lot of places just have like a batting cage or just have a place to throw maybe a bullpen but when you can do actual team defense and you can do you know live live at bats live pitching live whatever you need to do you're really light years ahead and we see that with the northern schools they come down they're they're it's so cold up there they don't have indoor facilities they just legitimately haven't practiced all spring and so a lot of the southern schools are way ahead well now I think Arkansas has a huge advantage because they can not only practice, but they can do real practice because they have essentially a whole field.
3: Yeah. James Teague with us on the McClarty daniel Hotline. James, they they get the the four games with James Madison coming up, and then it's down to Globe Life for Oregon State, Oklahoma State, and Michigan. What do you need to see in these first, hopefully, four games, hopefully the weather doesn't take any of those away, to be ready for uh, what's well, going to be a star-studded lineup in Arlington? Yeah,
4: I think it's more about just you know, kind of getting rid of some of those nerves, letting guys get into the game. You know, I don't think it really matters so much as to who performs or hits this or that and the other. I think you obviously need to win these games, but it's more about, all right, it's over. We get the first ones out of the way. Everyone can stop being so nervous now. Let's get down and play, you know, some of our best baseball going forward, especially, you know, like you named some of those teams in some legit competition. <laughs>
2: James is going to be with the guys on halftime every Friday at 12-15 during baseball season. And James, I listened to you talking with Phil, Matt, and Christian about the pitching staff, particularly Hagan Smith, who we know is probably going to be a first-round draft pick. Uh, from what you've seen from him in his freshman and sophomore seasons, apparently his velocity up, as is his spin rate. What are you expecting from Hagan specifically this year?
4: i like to see Hagan find a way to go deep into games. You know, I think that's one of the ways that he is, the final pieces of maturing. I think the stuff kind of is what it is. The stuff is going to get better. It's going to be, you know, not as good some days, but everyone knows that he's got amazing stuff. I'd like to see him find ways to throw strikes consistently, get deep into games, and to give, you know, on that Friday night start, give our bullpen a break to where he can go deep, and then Saturday and Sunday, that's when our bullpen come to shine, no one questions the stuff. No one questions that he's an unbelievable talent. I just like to see him put it together for for multiple innings each start and have that consistency throughout the season.
2: James, you got some great home series this year with SEC opponents, and I know people are excited about this weekend, but also conference season as well. When you look at the SEC West, the fact that the last three years an SEC West opponent has won the national championship, I mean, how difficult is it to not just navigate through the conference play, but get through postseason when you're probably going to have to play one, two, maybe even three conference opponents to get to the College World Series title?
4: Yeah, I mean, there's there's no give. You, know, you, you play a series, and you're like, all right, we got through that one, then it's the next one, and then it's the next one. You know, It doesn't give up. But I think once you get through the gauntlet of SEC play and then you get into the postseason – you're, real, you're prepared to play just about anybody. You, whoever you face in a regional, you're prepared to play them. And if you face those teams again in the postseason from the SEC West, well, you've already seen them before. You kind of know what to expect. So, you know, I, I think it just prepares guys to be successful in the postseason. But there's no doubt it is a gauntlet and it is a grind.
3: Yeah. Put into words... What the loss of Peyton Stovall early in the year is going to mean for this team. He, he suffered an injury, will be out uh, at the outset of the season. What does this mean, and what's the opportunity for some of the other players on the roster uh, to earn the trust of Dave Van Horn?
4: Yeah, I mean, I think it's like anything else. You know, the, 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 the lineup's going to change throughout the year. There's going to be gear. I mean, if you look at the start of a season, the end of a season, it never looks the same. So I think guys are going to get opportunities and, and maybe the guys that get opportunities really succeed and we find a spot for him somewhere else in the lineup when Stovall comes back. So um, I think it's just part of the ebb and the flow of how the roster changes and I know Van Horn will, you know, do what he needs to do
3: to put the right pieces in place to be successful when the time comes. When you look at Brady Taggart, the the righty for Arkansas this year, uh, I think you know, when people talk pitching, he's one of the first names that come up. Kind of a like season are you expecting, and what do you think we'll see from him in the in the initial first four games? Yeah, you know, very similar to, to Brady Tiger. I, I'd like to see him go deeper into games as a starter. I'd really like to see him just command the fastball. Everyone talks about the big breaking ball and the stuff. He's obviously got you know a lot of uh, high power stuff to bring
0: to the table. But I, I think he just needs to settle in. You know, whether it's whether he does it the first week, second week, or third week doesn't really concern me. But I think I just like to see him progress and get better and really throw strikes, go deep into games, because that's really going to ultimately give us the best chance to
4: win over the course of the season.
2: Hi, right, James, last thing. Uh, you're going to have to get that arm loose for this Saturday as you're throwing out the opening pitch. Are you nervous for Saturday?
4: I, I was joking with my wife about this. I said, you know, I, I would truly be a has-been if I was nervous about the first pitch, but I, I also have to admit I haven't thrown a baseball in about 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I said, look, if uh, – if George Bush can do it after 9-11, that's real nerves. I
2: can handle a little thing on you know, Saturday. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of a, about it. a little more difficult circumstances that uh, old uh, George Bush was dealing with back in Yankee Stadium in, in 2001. Well, James, we appreciate your time again. James will be with the halftime guys every Friday at 12-15 in the fall talking baseball and talking all things law with Teague Law Firm. Uh, James, looking forward to this weekend, looking forward to that first pitch. Just ace it right up the pipe, man.
4: Yeah, we'll do. Thanks, time Appreciate you having
2: me on. All right, good stuff. Again, a lot of uh, hype around this baseball team. And I know Arkansas fans always, this time of year, get excited, especially the basketball team's not doing well, which last three years you had not had that issue. Unfortunately, this year we're kind of in that point where we're more excited for baseball season than we have been. But when you have a preseason, a top-five team, you've got All-Americans, you've got all SEC players, I guess we're just accustomed to being in this situation at this point jubilated uh, for baseball season.
3: Yeah, three o'clock on Friday, two o'clock Saturday, one o'clock Sunday, and then it just gets earlier as the days go on. One or noon on Monday. Hopefully, they get all four in. Right now, the forecast looking like they can. So, uh, looking forward to uh, to baseball Friday at three o'clock at Baumwalk. We'll have all the games right here for you on ESPN Arkansas, with the exception of Northwest Arkansas, and at HitThatLine.com
2: throughout the weekend. And it'll be a it'll be a good one in terms of. Again, getting ready for just setting the tone for the season. You mentioned, again, you go from an opening series weekend to Globe Life, which my brother was there last year, and I I can't remember if they were there too. I think they were there in Round Rock two years ago, if I remember that right. But he said it was predominantly Razorback fans, even with, I think, TCU, maybe even Texas was there last year too. So this is a next weekend, not just this weekend, of course, because it's in Fayetteville, but next weekend is a heavily attended Razorback event. In life,
3: yeah, and uh, indoors, obviously, won't have to uh, concern yourself with with what the weather's going to be. We, they've had you mentioned the Round Rock deal. If I remember right, they had some some pretty uh, cool, uh, much cooler yeah. weather than they had planned for going down to to Texas like that outside of Austin. And um, you know, sometimes you've went to to some of these, and it's just um, it's early season baseball in a big league park. So hopefully, um, you know, they've done that in Houston that had outdoor, and then. You know, this will be indoor, so this will be a probably a much better start to the year, and you, you know what you're getting as far as weather. You won't have to worry about delays, at least weather prone.
2: Yep. And again, like Tommy said, we will have all these baseball games right here on ESPN Arkansas and hitthatline.com. We'll also have the Arkansas basketball game tomorrow night featuring your Arkansas Razorbacks against a top 10 Tennessee volunteer squad. Now, I do want to talk more about the game tomorrow, but I, I think the better conversation for today here on a bandwagon Tuesday is not just the renovations aspect, but uh, one of the things that Joe Klein was talking about after he attended the Dean dome. And it's a good article written by Matt Jones in whole hog sports is the fact that we don't have any banners up, right? We don't have any banners up in Walton arena. In fact, we only have four in men's basketball with two players and two coaches. So, We're going to get into our CJ's Butcher Boy Burger trivia question. Can you name the four players and coaches, two players, two coaches, that are up in Budwalden Arena?
0: This is CJ's Trivia Tuesday, presented by CJ's Butcher Boy Burgers in Fayetteville and Russellville.
5: It's delicious.
2: There must be 50 customers out there. It's unbelievable.
0: When all you do are burgers, they have to be the best. To be honest, I had to...
2: I'll be honest. I had to look this up because I was just thinking off the top of my head of who it was at this point. But if you want to jump in here for a $25 CJ's Butcher Boy Burger gift card, 877 6963 Again, four total, two players, two coaches. And we're going to get you on the line to answer that question. Do you know that without looking well, at the I, rundown? Well,
3: I set up in 219, so I have a pretty good line of sight to those banners, and they're, they're kind of on that end, well, where the tunnel's at going out towards that, that end zone area. Mm-hmm. So I do know who they are. G- look at them.
0: I had to. I so, was trying to
3: remember off the top of my head the uh, the female players that are on the opposite end because they got one or two of those up.
2: Betty Fiskus is yep. one. Is Gary Blair up there I as a coach because they took him really to a Final Four? I that, didn't that know. That team is up there. Okay. But, but I didn't not. know if he was up there. I know that someone of them falling out mm-hmm. at the U of A.
3: Well, they just didn't, they didn't want to meet meet the money that a yeah, and Yeah,
2: and that's and so i didn't know if that was Big mistake one of those things yeah because he's again one of the better women's basketball coaches that have not just been in arkansas but last what 20 years or so you'd say just based on his track record of uh, nationally and, yeah. yeah i mean he's not geno he's not pat the late pat summit he's, he's, he's not group. he's not don staley he's not like that but it is again one of those things that uh they do have. All right, we'll try Jimmy and Conway. He's up first to try and give it again. Jimmy, there's four people, two coaches, two players. Who whose banners are hanging up in Bud Walton Arena? How about uh, Corliss Williamson, one. Sidney Moncrief, two. Nolan Richardson, okay. Eddie Sutton. He got him right, man. It's those four. We will get a uh, good Christian. Got your information, so we'll get that to you. Appreciate you calling in, Jimmy. And I got a chance to go to the Dean Dome two years ago. And it is amazing to see. Of course, Michael Jordan's banner is going to be up in the Rats. Are, but you got James Worthy. I mean, you got, it's like 50-something dudes up there mm-hmm. that are hanging up in Bud Walton Arena. And I get there's the aspect where you don't want to just hang anyone up. But for Arkansas to only have two guys, again, Maug Creek's the best NBA player you've ever had. Corliss is maybe, and there's the often the Corliss-Sydney debate on who's better at Arkansas, whatever. Sydney, of course, had the much better NBA career. Corliss did win an NBA championship, but as a national champion, had the better collegiate career. But those shouldn't be the only two that are hanging up in Bud Walton Arena. Then who who belongs up there? I, I mean, there's... I would think you add... And Sidney's, Sidney's spoken to this. I think he spoke with this with Matt Jones and Hall Hogg. You add the two other triplets. You add Ron Brewer. You add Marvin Delph. Uh, Todd Day needs to be out there. as your all-time leading scorer. You add probably Big O... You would add, um, why am I blanking on the point guard, Lee Mayberry. Uh, and then you get into, like, the NBA player. Like, does Bobby, like the newer age guy, does Bobby Portis go up there? Joe Johnson, I would think, deserves to be up there. Had probably the longest NBA career. Maybe not the best, but the longest NBA career. It doesn't need to just be two coaches and two players at this point. So you need you- to celebrate your yeah. past. And Jeff Long did a lot of wrong things. He did a lot of incorrect things here in Fayetteville. But one of the things he did right was making sure that past players are celebrated. And Eric Musselman has done a good job, not just welcoming back his former players, but if you look at Dusty Hannis, Daniel Gaffer, Courtney Fortson, I mean, guys that weren't even like huge Arkansas Razorbacks, but welcoming them back to the practice facility, welcoming them back to games. They didn't have to be his players that he coached but bringing them back the nostalgia and that aspect. There's got to be more than just two players total from the men's basketball team that are hanging up. I'm not talking about retiring numbers. Those are two different things. But there's got to be more than just two players that are hanging up in Bud and Arena. At what point do you begin to
3: water down the greatness of having your name up there? You mentioned 50 at the Dean Dome. Well, I mean, that's one of the most storied programs in college sports, not not, not just college basketball, but college Sports. So, at what point, when you are a program with one national championship, two finals, what uh, you got those ones in the forty? What is it? it Four Final Fours? I forget the seventy-eight
2: forty-one. Yeah, you got ninety ninety. It's five, five. Okay, five. The one in the
3: the one in the um, I think it's five in the forties is the one that I thought it was six, but anyway, um, is there two in the forties? But the reality is. Sydney and Corliss are to me on a shelf by themselves. All these other players you mentioned are great, and maybe honors some teams and some eras and some Final Four teams. Todd Day's one of the greatest players to ever come, you know, through this program. But got his team to the Final Four early in his career in Denver. Never got to the championship level. Sydney's the one that put it all on the map way back in the late seventies. So I mean, Sydney and Corliss to me are on a shelf by themselves. And I kind of like the way, the way it is. I think we water down halls of fame. I think we water down retiring numbers. I think we, we're too quick to honor too many because we want it to be a bigger circle. And I get that. But I think one thing we could do without question is let's spend some money when we renovate this arena on the museum. The basketball museum for this program downstairs is woefully outdated. And some of these players that that were mentioned, some of the the, the newer players aren't in there and should be.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: You know, it's kind of like ninety four, ninety five happened. And we just quit updating the, the the museum. So I think I think that's one place you can honor some of these guys. I'm I, I am I'm a pump the brakes guy on retiring numbers and hanging names in rafters.
2: Well, I, those are two different conversations because
3: well, uh, to me, they're they're the highest honor you can bestow upon an athlete is to retire their number or to hang their name in the rafters. To me, they're not. I under, in basketball, and they, now they changed the rule this year to make this easier because now you can have all the numbers that were really weren't allowed before mm-hmm. are now available for roster numbers. Great point. So retiring a number is a little easier to do, but in basketball it doesn't lend itself you know, the way it does in other sports. And in football it's becoming more difficult because of roster sizes. But let's move back to the main point. I think hanging someone's name in the rafters and retiring their number Is basically the same thing, and I think it's the
2: highest honor in sports. Well, I don't think that North Carolina is any less watered down in the Dean Dome in Chapel Hill just because they have fifty plus. You're honoring and celebrating so many different players that help. And and of course, dude, we're not North Carolina. And but you're a top thirty program. You you're there five or six Final Fours. Whether it's three programs, they're they're one of the best. But you need to be in a situation, I would think, I don't think there's going to be a lot of pushback from our listening base. Maybe, Rom, you can jump in with us on the McCarty-Daniel hotline at 877-377-6963. But, I mean,
3: you you talk about hanging Big O up there or hanging, you know, Bobby Portis up there. Daniel, I mean, is it going to be because of their NBA career or because of
2: their collegiate career? Well, I think it's, again... Some guys will have better collegiate careers than they will NBA. That's more often than not, that's gonna happen. But if a player ends up being a better NBA player than maybe you anticipated from his collegiate career, you still honor him, right? Like if Nick Smith, Nick Smith's probably the prototypical example. Nick Smith did not have a great freshman year at Arkansas, had a couple big games, but willfully underperformed based on our own expectations. That could be wrong, but we thought more of him than we actually got. Nick is having one of the best shooting seasons in the NBA right now. He's like top 10 and three-point percentage. If Nick goes on to have an all-star type of career at our, a, a, in the NBA, whether it's for the, the Charlotte or whoever else he ends up playing for, does he deserve to be celebrated? And have a? if he goes on like all-star, hall of famer, wouldn't that justify him being celebrated? Because all that is is a recruiting tool and mechanism. Everything comes back to recruiting. You mentioned again the just the NBA or the Arkansas museum that's way outdated right players see that stuff they're walking I don't know if the facility is different like if you walk around Arkansas basketball facility you've got a bunch of pro hog stuff you got new stuff but it shouldn't just be that area that is concentrated and not just the past and the present the museum should be that way too it needs to be a combination of both well, the greatness that Arkansas has been in the final four the two sets of triplets, everything with what the current players are doing today, which again, if you look at what Daniel Gafford, Ricky council, Bobby Portis, Arkansas has got a really good collection of NBA talent. That's in the league right now that should be celebrated more than has not just on social media, like Mus is, but in other places too.
3: But okay. Uh, and I'm not laughing what you said. Someone sent a text in that I thought was pretty funny. Can, Suggesting maybe Michael Sanchez and Stephen Hill that's going Big there as well. So, <laughs> that's funny, Big C. Um, okay, I understand, and I preface my next statement by understanding that there was a national championship in 94 and, and a repeat to the final game in 95. But when you look at the programs, I don't think it's just an easy open and shut. Who's who's had the better overall program in say the last 30 years or 35 40 years whatever you want to put on it the baseball program or the basketball program yeah it's it's baseball it's not even close well but there's no national championship in baseball it's the obvious mm-hmm. elephant in the room but you know the one thing they do is if you go out um kind of in the entrance out towards the foundation office and the ticket office there's a we'll call it a monument but they they've got a a monument built that, that honors all the pro hogs and the, the ones that came through the program. And it's right there for everyone to see as you come in and hang a left to go to the hog pen or right to head to the concourse into your seat. Mm-hmm. I think something more along those lines is what we need for basketball. I, I, I'm i just to pump the brakes. Let's, let's hold our water a little bit before we start hanging names and numbers in the rafters.
2: Okay. We'll discuss this more in in the next two hours. Again, on the McCarty Daniel Hotline, if you want to jump in, feel free to at 877-377-6963. Are you on the bandwagon of putting more names up in the rafters? Or are you on Tommy's side? Are you on the side of, hey, let's just pump the brakes. We have, again, two guys that are legends, not just at Arkansas, but also had some solid NBA careers as well. Sydney, much more than a solid NBA career, who, by the way, was in the house this past Saturday. That. So happy to see Sydney Moncrief back. He lives in Little Rock, if I remember that correctly.
0: Call or text the McCarty Daniel hotline at 877 377 6963. Daniel, a vehicle for every lifestyle. When you're looking for a new car, you want to shop for a vehicle you love with an organization you trust. You've probably heard that McCarty Daniel means making deals, but what I'm inspired by the most is that McCarty Daniel means making a difference in our community. When you buy a vehicle with McCarty Daniel, you reinvest right here in the community, in our schools in our little leagues, in our food banks, and our people. So you're not just making a purchase, you're making a difference too. Come see us at any of our six locations in Northwest Arkansas.
2: your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit
0: bet online where the game starts you're listening to the bud light morning rush podcast bud light proud sponsor of arkansas athletics you get the the pancake
3: or the waffle either one and then you get the link sausage like you're talking about some syrup i mean i don't know how you get any better than that for breakfast what do you do? let's just go
2: go go down to greenwood they got a nice waffle house down Uh, yeah and then flip it over to national espn because i i'm also getting hungry as well at this point uh i don't know if you bring you something back uh fair enough as long as i get something out of the deal i don't know if you you caught our our conversation about arkansas basketball banners are you more on the line of thinking with tommy or do you think that arkansas should maybe add some banners up there Uh,
6: some banners. you know, I was fortunate to cover the second set of triplets in the late 80s, early 90s. mean uh, some of my greatest sports memories uh, from being a reporter were uh, going to LSU, Todd Day dropping 43 at the Maravich Assembly Center against Shaq and that team. Uh, still, I think it's the record for an opponent uh, at the Maravich Assembly Center. But I think Todd averaged 22.7 in his senior year, still the leading scorer in uh, Razorback history, but it, while he deserves to be up there and he had a double-digit NBA career, I think he averaged 11 or 12 over an eight or nine-year career, uh, he should be in there singularly, but I don't know if you can separate him from the triplets. Lee Mayberry, Oliver Miller, that's a package deal. They, sh- they should have a triplets day, so I think Tommy said something about that triplets. And then I think about Ron Brewer being a you know Fort Smith native, what he did at Northside, what he did at Westark, and then 18 points a game uh, the year they went to the final four with Sydney the original triplets but how can you put Ron Brewer in without putting Delph in when you've already put Moncrief in but those those guys should be recognized and then the other one the iconic shot that everybody talks about Scotty Thurman I mean Mm -hmm. he was on championship team he was uh, the best scorer on a championship team and he had the most iconic shot in Razorback history so if I was If I was prioritizing who would get in, I would probably go with the Todd Day triplets first, put them all in, Uh, Delph and Brewer put them in, and then Thurman put them in because the thing they got, final fours, championships. And Mm -hmm. and that's what everybody talks about. In Arkansas, that's the elite Arkansas players, the elite Arkansas teams. Anybody else, I'm sure they had some better NBA careers. I heard y'all talking about Joe Johnson. They had to do it. On the hill, they had to do it okay. at at Bub Walton or at or Barn exactly. Hill. Yeah. So you yeah. guys different. You guys both different. It's not about a pro career. Okay. That's why yeah, there's a pro Hall hangi- You're not hanging in the Boston no, Gardens. No. You're you're hanging at, at Bub Walton and whatever Bub Walton becomes. But yeah, I mean, and we all have connections to teams. Uh, so you relate to the triplets, or you relate to the '94 championship team. Let's recognize some of those people. I don't, And, and I here's about, the other thing: I hate it when we wait till people die. Let's let's. These guys are all alive. That's a great point. Recognize them. How Put about, them in there.
3: How about Bud Walton, Bobby Garland Arena? I I think you could.
6: I'd have to pull my advertisement for me as Penn Arkansas. <laughs>
3: because we get some tickets in your suite get because
6: a, <laughs> get 75 as long as ty and i
3: can sit in your suite on a on a nightly basis we might could swing something
6: well but, if bruce gets a suite it's going to be at the food city arena <laughs> it's not going to be above bud walton have but, you have you talked to any of your friends or maybe you got that survey of a uh, bud walton and what they're I, I actually got it last uh-huh. night and uh i don't know here's my deal I want to win a basketball team. I'm not a elite guy. I'm I'm sitting in the normal seats. I just want a team that wins. I don't care about the frills and whatever happens in the luxury boxes. That's just never appealed to me. The if I was a y'all missed the golden days of reporting. We sat courtside. Oh no. We gonna. we got to sit down on on the court. We got to sit on the fifty yard line and you know, when I saw Bub Walton when they were putting the New uh, press kind of in the corner. I'm like, holy cow, that would be terrible to cover game. From
3: the corner. <laughs> now, eventually, that'll be in the upper deck.
6: Just watch. Yeah, no, you're you're right Close on that. Closed caps and outside. They're not going to reduce.
3: The, yeah, exactly. They're not going to reduce the seating. Two thousand twenty five hundred 2,500 seats and and not utilize those.
6: Things. I mean, new people don't care, but like Nate Allen, Wally Hall, those guys that have been doing it a long time, they don't they don't get. You go to right other anymore.
2: basketball arenas, a lot of time. The, the media is into the upper deck, but that's not the really important thing. I did see, so I was curious of like the other historic college basketball venues, like maybe the one that most similar to me is like Allen Fieldhouse, right? And I was like, well, I, I just went to Allen Fieldhouse. They hadn't changed squat. Well, they're now putting in 50 million into Fog Allen after this season? Because I was thinking, okay, I was just there. They hadn't changed anything. Why does Arkansas need to change? Then I researched it, and <laughs> they're about to do it. So that, like, to me, I was, before, I don't know, the last couple days, I was staunchly against this idea of changing anything, Budwall, because I don't want them to reduce capacity. I don't want them to change things outside of maybe the bathroom and widening the concourse that they can't. But, these significant, I think like Cameron, coach K's even pushing to change some things up in Cameron Indoor. So these historic college basketball venues like Bud Walton arena are even getting touched up a little bit. And I think if, again, I'm not always a huge fan of changing with the times and, and keeping up with the Joneses in certain category, but I, I I do think there is some evidence that points to this actually being a good idea in certain in certain cases,
6: you know who needs to upgrade their basketball facilities. Vanderbilt they got a Mason Block facility at Memorial Coliseum, and it it is the most attended facility by opponents. Every time an opponent comes in that's decent, uh, whether it's Tennessee, Arkansas, Auburn, whoever, they pack the place out. So you know they ought to put better seating there and and just upgrade it and take advantage of all those non Vanderbilt fans that come in there. that's where they're getting their
2: money in their their it sales is. at that point from uh, opposing fans but it is again I, i'm curious tommy you mentioned it at the the front of the show that survey if they're actually going to take into account what fans think or if that's just a show pony if that's just hey look at look at what we're doing uh for you as a fan or they already just hey we're going to do this we don't really care what well, fans think we're going to send this out just for the appearance of we we care what you think
3: It all will depend, it doesn't matter what the survey says. What matters is how much money can you raise? Because when they say they need 50 to 100 million, that means they need 125 million. That's what that really means. In today's climate with NIL, with everything going on and not enough winning going on, can you go raise 100 million? Because I don't know that there's an appetite right now with interest rates in the 7%, 8% range in bonds to go float a bond like you did for the North End Zone. That you raised 160 million, so I don't know if is there is there a mega donor out there that just stroke a check like you had 30 plus years ago with Bud Walton, and that was 30 million he gave half.
6: That Reynolds Foundation still got money.
3: No, I think they uh, they tapped out. I think they, I think they closed the doors okay. after so many
2: years. I think, I think so. It's either this year, or next year. It's not Donald W. Reynolds Razorback right. Stadium. It's going to be something else Razorback Stadium.
3: My point is, we just gloss over the most important thing. That's where you're going to pay for it. That's raising a hundred, raising a hundred million dollars. Isn't we're
6: not a And M. don't just snap our fingers that's and. the Second poof. most important thing, most important thing is winning. Putting a well, good, good product out there. Is you're, most important you're right, thing. but I mean, when it comes Nobody to making to these renovations, go ten and twenty.
3: You know, when it comes to making renovations, they're not going to trade it out for tickets. So you, you better be able to raise hundred <laughs> million bucks. And I don't know where they're going to. You know, right now I just I question maybe maybe they've already got a, got it lined up, but you're not going to raise it a thousand dollars at a time. No. in today's world of NIL when you're asking so much of really so few in our state where is an extra 100 million coming from as if there is such a thing an extra 100 million well,
6: you, they do live in northwest arkansas there are corporations yeah. up there that have that kind of money
3: but all those are public corp or are p- publicly traded you know can, can you get their, the the people that get the dividend checks and that are the benefactors or the founder their families were founders to give that money because these corporations aren't going to give money of that they, they, they
6: got boards of directors they, and shareholders. They got to quit buying pro sports franchises. <laughs> well, best back home again.
3: Well, less bike trails, more more arenas, no. I guess.
2: All right, you got a couple games tonight, couple games tomorrow in the SEC, including Arkansas and Tennessee, where Bruce will be at with his lovely life. So let's get into it. It is the Pratko Pyramid of Power. <laughs>
0: Who are the best basketball teams in the SEC? SEC, SEC. Let's find out. Perhaps I could be of some assistance. This is the Pradco Pyramid of Power.
3: All right, Tommy. How many of up. our six do you think me and Bruce match up on this week?
2: Well, Tennessee lost, so they're not going to be at number one. I'm going to guess they are. I'm gonna guess they are five of six that the one one is gonna be different. Okay, pretty much everybody lost
6: except South Carolina. Yeah, Mm -hmm.
3: so South Carolina stays atop the Pradco Pyramid of Power. Pretty easy call there. Twenty-one and three, nine and two in conference play. They're not the highest ranked SEC team at number eleven, but they did beat Ole Miss and Vandy. They get a road trip to Auburn and uh, take on LSU uh, for this week's schedule. South Carolina number one atop the Pradco Pyramid of Power.
6: Yeah, they got a. They got big tests coming up at Auburn soon, don't they?
3: Yeah, that the uh, tonight, I guess. Yeah, so. yeah tomorrow night, yeah. All right, uh, tomorrow night tonight or tomorrow night? It's not. I've lost track okay. of my days. Tomorrow night. Tomorrow night. Yeah. Tomorrow okay. night. All right, uh, I've, I've moved Alabama up to number two after Tennessee's loss. Uh, I know they lost earlier in the week uh, to Auburn, beat LSU. Um, they look awfully good at 9-2. and two. I, I've, They got a bye in the middle of this week and then play A&M on Saturday. I've got Alabama right now number two in the Pratko Pyramid of Power.
6: I still got Alabama down at fourth. You know, the last time I saw them, they got uh, crushed by <laughs> Auburn, blown out of the gym. And they they beat an LSU team that doesn't play any defense. I mean, everybody's scoring 100 points on LSU. It's, they're terrible. Right. Tennessee at numbers.
3: You got Tennessee at two?
6: I got Tennessee at two. Tennessee
3: at two? I got Tennessee at three after beating – you said LSU was terrible? They're terrible. Okay. Me and uh, but,
6: you and Ty could go out and score. But then all.
3: lost to A and M. So that, that, that's the reason. That's the only reason to move Tennessee down is the <laughs> loss to the A and M's. Last thing we saw, and right now I think that's that's where they're at. So uh, they I, got Arkansas, which they'll win. and They got Vandy. I mean, it'll be a two 0 week for well, Tennessee. It's,
6: it's a road game in the SEC. It, it, it gets people don't understand how tough it is. Tennessee's. They could lose tomorrow night. You Great. lose either I way hope. tomorrow night. Your wife's either going to be mad or, <laughs> or your team's going to lose. And we usually do Ruth Chris on uh, Valentine's Day. So I guess when I scheduled this, uh, I, she wasn't really clear that she ain't going to get to go to the Ruth Chris and Rogers. So... Now, if, if we if we beat Arkansas and she doesn't get to go to the Ruth Bridge, <laughs> and she has to go to Whataburger on the way to the Embassy hey, Suites, it's going to be terrible. You like I that sounds, orange, sounds,
2: don't you? Sounds better yeah. than me. All
3: right, South Carolina 1, Bama 2, Tennessee 3. I got Auburn checking in at number 4. They beat Bama, then lost to Florida. So they had a 50-50 week. South Carolina and Kentucky. Probably the biggest week in the league this week is the week of the Auburn Tigers.
6: Yeah, they, they uh, didn't look good at all. That that final score is very flattering. That, they absolutely got blown out uh, against the Florida Gators. So uh, I got I got Auburn three and Alabama four just because Auburn ran Alabama out the gym. It's,
2: it's like you said, it's tough to win on the road in the SEC. And again, Auburn's got two important home games that they'll play this week. Uh, South Carolina has shown that they can go on the road and win well, but maybe their toughest road appearance to date. Now this one's where,
3: This next one I bet we differ on. I've moved Florida up to number five. I've moved them inside the top six. I got Florida at five, six, and four in the league. They beat Auburn on Saturday. Uh, had the off uh, date in the middle of the week. They got LSU and Georgia this week. Florida's playing some good basketball right now. I,
6: I thought about that, and I, I, I'm not going to disagree with you. They they did chew up Auburn. They had a bye week, so they only had to play one game. Uh, but I still got Kentucky at five. I mean, I, they're they're uh, they still got great, better players yeah. than Florida. And at some point, they're either going to click or not.
3: I got Kentucky at six. They've lost three in a row at home. First time I think that's happened since they opened since Rupp Arena. Yeah. That's
6: 1966. Yeah. That's amazing.
3: First time in Rupp, they've lost at home to Florida, Tennessee, and Gonzaga now. They get Ole yeah. Miss and Auburn this week, so this we'll see. It's like, it's a big Eddie week Sutton
6: teams, the probation yeah. teams. I mean, it's, uh, they've, not, they've had some not-so-good teams. Yeah. This is the first one to lose three in a row eight, at Rupp. You need
2: you think that seat's hotter than it usually is? Or is that ah, just, that's just speculation. Well, he's sixty-five
6: years old. Does he want to keep doing this? And
2: the he's thing about rich Kentucky, too. Yeah, we got to factor that in. Like he, he can retire and he'll. I not don't
3: know rep- what the the agreement is on his because he's got that lifetime contract. I don't know what the buyout is. If you, how do you fire someone on a lifetime contract?
6: Who'd be the first person you'd hire? Your
2: Kentucky. i'd give jay right i i think i i mean you got to p- pluck him he's he's i don't know what how old he is but i would give jay right a call
6: yeah he doesn't have to worry about nil at kentucky does he Mm-mm.
2: i think uh oh you're saying that tongue-in-cheek yeah uh,
6: what do you think jay, I, mean, it, I didn't think about that that that's that's pretty good actually um uh, He's an older guy. He's, I say that. Never mind. He's 62.
2: That's three years younger yeah. than Cal. That, yeah. I thought he was younger than that. I don't know. I mean, some people will say Musk, Chris Beard, but no Roy Williams, no Coach K, no Mike Krzyzewski. Self's not leaving in Kansas. You don't have just this pool. Maybe Dan Hurley in UConn. Could you pluck him away from Connecticut? But he's, they're number one in the country right now. Why is he leaving stores? I think he likes being up there.
6: Kentucky's a better uh, program than UConn.
2: Yeah, they are, but it I mean, means more. I don't know I, that. No, it literally means
6: more. <laughs> <laughs> I would. Uh,
2: I so if you had to ask, yeah, probably probably Hurley. Yeah. I would. I'd give Cur- Hurley's agent a call at that point.
3: All right, Preco Pyramid of Power Top Six: South Carolina, Bama, Tennessee, Auburn, Florida, Kentucky. One through six. I got A and M, Ole Miss, Mississippi State. My next three, followed by LSU, Georgia. Then the Razorbacks, Vanderbilt, and Missouri. We, we totally right?
6: agree on seven to fourteen. Do we? That's there exactly what I wrote down.
3: A and wow. Miss, Mississippi State, LSU, Georgia. There you go. The Arkansas Razorbacks, Vanderbilt, Missouri. They're on the up. Where am I right? Where am I wrong?
2: You, you are, I guess you already disagree. So, South Carolina deserves to be one. I would still. I know Tennessee got clobbered on Saturday night, but I'd still have Tennessee ahead of Bama, Tommy, and okay. we saw what they did. Um And honestly, I mean, Auburn, so Bama crushed Auburn earlier this year, right? And then Auburn returned the favor. So they're neck and neck. They just did it on each other's home floor. Uh, I still, I Kentucky's got to be above Florida to me because Kentucky's, um, I, I know that they both play tight games at home, but I still Florida, think Kentucky's Florida, the better team. Florida beat them. Well, Kentucky beat them in, in yeah, Gainesville. Kentucky beat them the first game it's of the year. It was, yeah. They split. They split so road game. I would still put Kentucky above Florida. Recent,
3: though. Yeah. In the most recent game, Florida won.
2: Kentucky doesn't play any in, in, in defense at all. That's, None. I mean, it, it is embarrassing that we could throw. I mean, Arkansas at its points this season plays better defense than Kentucky does. I
6: think. Is, I think both teams when they play Alabama and uh, LSU could be over hundred. That'd just be a track meet. Yeah.
2: Be back and forth, Bama. Bama kids up and down. It's do not it play a lot of defense. Either. No, they don't
3: at all. By the way, real real quick, what what has happened to Georgia? They've lost five in a row now. They get yeah. Florida and Vandy this That's week.
6: Typical Georgia. They they get out like gangbusters and then it they've just just they're just not as good as they thought they were. Can South Carolina win this whole thing? Yeah, they'll win it. Are we do? Well, I if, just they keep beat Auburn, on. if South Carolina wins at Auburn. There, nobody, there's no way anybody can win. Talking about the the whole. You think the whole league they'll win the whole, the whole league? league? Yeah, that's well, good for college. They're basketball. nine and two.
3: Bama's nine and two, and then you got Tennessee seven and three. Do they play Auburn eight and three? I'm gonna
2: look up and see if Bama and South Carolina are on the schedule this year against each other.
0: You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. Tennessee Volunteers coming
2: into town tomorrow night. Eric Mussman talking about his team taking on Tennessee again in Bud Walton Arena and what they have to deal with. Not just Santiago Vescovy, not just Kai Ziegler, not just Josiah Jordan-James. But now you got to go deal with the potential SEC player of the year as well in Dalton Connect. They cut harder than any team in the league. They run their offense as well as any team in the league. They're a high assist team. There'll be four to five passes made without a dribble. They have a star or a superstar player who's going to be an NBA high draft pick in Dalton Connect, who's a transfer from a smaller Division One school. Think about these guys that we've been focal points of our scouting reports in the past. Josiah James, Viscovi, Ziegler. Those guys have been the focal points of past scouts. And now we're throwing Dalton Connect ahead of those guys in our preparation. That shows you how good this team is. I think the Tennessee team, with their talent level, their length, their basketball IQ, and their coaching, is a team that can play for a Final Four or a national championship. I swear, James... Vescovy and Ziegler have been there for 10 years. I mean, they've got some elder guards and, and forwards, and Arkansas is going to have to deal with, contend with them last night, or tomorrow night. Uh, you're able to against Georgia. Again, you mentioned it, Tommy. They've lost five straight. It's a little different competition, especially Tennessee coming off of a blowout loss after their appearance in College Station. Yeah, I didn't really catch them at the
3: right time. I mean, that's not, you know, when, when their focus is maybe a little sharper, but... uh it, it did not matter if you played them on the surface of the moon. They're, they were going to be hard to beat for this team. And, uh, you know, it would be a, a tremendous upset if Arkansas mm-hmm. could find a way to to be ahead of these guys when the final horn sounds.
2: I know people have been asking about Budwall and Arena and the potential renovations that, again, are expected to come and after the 24-25 season. And we got this uh, survey, if you've got season tickets or single tickets, and you can get it from someone. It's really not difficult. Just ask them to send you the link if you've gotten someone. One of the things they asked is one of the bigger needs, like enhanced seating, quicker exit and entry, upgraded food and beverage, Wi-Fi, restrooms I mean, if you had to pinpoint one theme that they have to get fixed in budwall arena what is that
3: oh i think when you when you talk about things like restrooms that's something everybody uses i think you have to focus on the things that um apply towards every group of seats every location of seats everyone that goes there uses what concourse area Bathroom areas, concession areas. Mm -hmm. I think I would focus my money because the seats are in great shape. The sight lines are good. They've done a good job of upgrading and keeping, you know, the visuals like the ribbon boards and the scoreboards, the lighting, the sound. All of that's in really good shape. Um, To me, concourses, updating some of the displays you have on those concourses, everybody uses that every trip to Bud Walton. Um, most people use concessionaries, the the, the faster you can make it, or the ability to order from your phone and have it brought to your seat in certain areas. Um, you know, that, that's, that kind of service is a plus. So Mm -hmm. I would say the, I would focus on the areas that every fan from luxury suite holder to common fan is going to, um, to use it in their trip to Bud Walton.
2: Michael in Cave Springs is our residential hockey fan on the McCarty Daniel Holland. He wants to make it ice hockey compatible. He wants to, I I know there's an idea to maybe make this concert compatible because the initial setup of Bud Walden Arena can't really have concerts. I know we had like student concerts once or twice when I was in school, but um, maybe transforming it, you know, the Moody Center Mm -hmm. in Austin, that has the ability to have concerts and they sell stuff to do something like that as well. That's less basketball related Can or would,
3: don't want to. I, I don't know why they can't have a concert in there.
2: I think there's something to do with It's either the, the seating or I, I was reading something about it that it it's not prohibited, but it's just hard to do or something like that. Okay.
3: I mean, um, I, I don't know the, I mean, I, I you know, I remember seeing George Strait at, at Barnhill, and if you could do it in Barnhill, yeah, you could you be able to Barnhill do it in Bud Walton. Bud Walton but, Arena. But, uh, you know, but I don't, I don't know that there's, Northwest Arkansas, the amp has taken on now. This would be a bigger facility, obviously, to be indoor, but, you know, all the big concerts in Northwest Arkansas go to the amp. So I don't know that I'd spend a lot of money making uh, that a concert venue. And I don't think that's the intent, but I don't know that it's been a ton of money to have that capability. And because how many, I mean, if bigger acts come to to Arkansas, they go to Simmons bank or they go to the amp and the amp uh, holds what? 11 uh, ish, something like that. I think mm-hmm. when it's fully
2: loaded. So, you know, that's, uh, this would be if, if they transform it to five or 6,000 more seats, which we know what that is in, in revenue. If they ended up doing that to this one, I'm just curious if that's if that's something they're trying to do in addition to that. And you mentioned the it's 50 to 100 million dollars estimated, which I'm like you probably tend to be on the higher side at this point. If it's that much to renovate it, how much is it today's day and age to build a new facility? Two fifty, three hundred million?
3: Oh, that's More. just get you probably started. Yeah, just
2: the door. Okay.
3: I One of the reasons Robert and fabio brought this up, I didn't think that that tunnel that comes down from the loading dock may not be wide enough for today's trucks mm-hmm. to get a lot of concert-type equipment in there. Yeah. It may have been done by design back, way back then. Not,
2: not to have it a, at that point in time. All right, that is your Hog Update this morning. It is brought to you by our friends at Mr. Sparky. You
0: don't have to put up with any malarkey call. Sparky. <laughs>
3: If it can't do concerts, then what's Walmart doing in there during the shareholders? Yeah, shareholders. Meeting? No, that's a, that's another good point.
2: Thank good you. Point. I, and I don't know if again that there's like, you made a you made a valid point. If it's a desire not to do it, or if they're using the excuse of we can't do it because of I this. do know that
3: that tunnel area is not wide enough to accommodate a lot of the, uh, it's the it's trucks equipment. and stuff okay. that, that come down. You know, it's not as, as wide as, as maybe they'd like to have built it. But mm-hmm. listen, it's a basketball arena first and foremost. And you know they, you know, premium seating is where the appetite is at in today's world. But where's the hundred million going to come to do all this? You know, we can talk about it. We can take surveys, but we live in a world where everyone's got their hand out for a collective or for their NIL fund or for donations. Um, you know, inflation's been real in college sports from a donation standpoint. Where's the
2: extra hundred million laying around? It, wouldn't that money be better suited to contribute to NIL? Because I don't think people are complaining. Well, people if, Would
3: people that had $100 million to give collectively rather give it to NIL
2: or that? Probably the facility. Yeah, probably the facility, even though I would think the return on their money might be better. I say 100%, but it might be better um, suited towards NIL and, and seeing that. But that's, no, that's a, again, you just don't know what, what that looks like in terms of the fundraising arm and where they're going to get that money but maybe we hear a Bud Walton blank blank arena at some point
3: well the 100 million will be harder to do than coming up with the plans the ideas and the design that mm-hmm. that will be uh, for sure
2: So, football season's over till August, and unfortunately, we have to end the Lindsay and Associates Pro Hog Update football side of things on a somber note as what happened to Great Drake Greenlaw on Sunday, Christian.
5: Yeah, he suffered a injury running onto the field as the 49ers lost a heartbreaker in overtime against the Chiefs Sunday, 25-22 in the Super Bowl. Again, running onto the field, this was early in the second quarter, so he... That injury occurred early in the game. He didn't get to play most of the game. He tore his Achilles tendon. Yep, and that, for those that have heard about
2: it or been through it, for the unlucky some of you, it is like a 9-12 to recovery process. It's something he's going to be out all of next season unless something crazy happens. You hate it for Dre. He's had injuries that have plagued him throughout his career, and this is just another one. On the list at this point, and maybe he, he
3: needs to go hang out with Aaron Rodgers, get that thing done in that's like six what
2: weeks. George Kittle uh, <laughs> talked about after the game. You heard from Kittle. You heard from Fred Warner, uh, Kyle Shanahan. I mean, they were all uh, really heartbroken for their teammate and, in Coach Shanahan's case, his player who's been really improved. I think he had like four tackles in the first Super Bowl that he played, and then the one he had a, a really good first quarter, and unfortunately, just uh, the unluckiest and most Arkansas injury yeah. ever that happened on saturday night or sunday night
5: yeah it really is 49ers dropped their third super bowl in, the, in a row and i think you know if if is able to play in that game i think he's a game changer or he makes plays and that could have been enough for the 49ers to get the win but they had their chances the chiefs get it done in the super bowl daniel gafford in the nba he had a standout performance in his debut at the Mavericks on Saturday against the Thunder in the Mavs' 146-111 win. He had 19 points, making 7 of 11 shots from the field, 9 rebounds, 4 offensive boards. Last night against his former team, the Washington Wiz- Wizards, he had 16 points, 17 rebounds, and 5 blocks. The Mavericks had to rally late to get a 112-104 win. I know me being a Mavs fan – I'm, I was happy to see this, and I know Luca Doncic is happy to have him there in Dallas. Yeah, and for Daniel and his family, Washington, D.C., from El Dorado, Arkansas,
2: is 17 hours and 19 minutes away. For Dallas, Texas, it's four and a half hours. So he's going to have family and friends that will be able to frequent the American Airlines Center a lot more than going out to Washington, D.C. and playing him for the Wizards and uh, taking lobs and taking passes from one of the best players in the NBA, Luka Doncic, he was unbelievable in these first two games. They love him, too. That's what's awesome. Mavs fans have really flocked to him in these opening two games that he's played and expect him to keep making impacts moving forward. And that is it. We got one more. I'll go Ricky Council. Ricky had an outstanding performance on February the 10th, also scored last night eight points. Uh, On the 10th, he was the player of the game, had 19 points, 10 rebounds, 7-13 in 29 minutes for the Philadelphia 76ers. At one point, he was just getting garbage time At some point this season, really the last couple games, he's going to start picking up significant minutes. So love that for RC4. His teammates seem to really like him, as we've been saying, the last couple weeks. And now finally actually not just contributing in the total of the game, but actually contributing worthwhile minutes to that organization. We got a, a good text from... Kevin, who's in Green Forest this morning on the McLarty-Daniel Hotline. And again, one of the big topics of our morning has been talking about this Bud Walden survey that's gone out to some of you. Some haven't received it. Uh, If you know anyone that has, just ask them to send you the link so you can contribute to your thoughts and opinions on what needs to change within Bud Walden Arena. And talking about the seat upgrades, Tommy, um, with the different things that they're going to do, you've got like these loge boxes, you've got... What are going to be look like expanded, uh, just normal, uh, boxes? What I don't, I'm trying to think suites what, they, yeah, sweets. That's yeah. what I'm looking for. And then also, you'll have, uh, club seating, the mezzanine seating. A lot of this is going reti- to require, according to, to Kevin, I, I did this last night, is that Broyles Matthews, uh, donation level, which we know, isn't it? At least 10 grand or has that gone up? I think it's so more it's, than that. It's more than I, that.
3: Don't get me. I, I know just enough to be wrong, but, um, but again, it's about increasing. You know, they spent one hundred and sixty million dollars on the north end zone. Now that also encompassed or houses the the athletic department offices, the administrative offices that are that's a part of that. But you expanded your stadium, closed in the north end zone, and you added what a little over four thousand seats. Uh, this is going to be a hundred million dollars spent to reduce your seating capacity. Yeah, which I mean, just I mean, stop and think about. We we are so ingrained in the in the mindset of you spend money on a facility to add more seats, they're going to spend a hundred million dollars to reduce the number of seats. Mm-hmm.
2: Which to me, the important question you have to ask is for fans across this state, and we're for the most part considered a poor state. State considered to the rest of the union, the United States, whatever you want to call it. It's not we we can't just be a Northwest Arkansas community college. You've got you've got to encompass the entire state. So. With the upgrades, with the donations you're talking about, that they have to raise, everything, costs are only going to go up, and that's part of every single year, it seems like, with inflation. But you're going to get to a point. We we take text and calls all the time on the McCarty-Daniel hotline how expensive it is to just bring a family afford four to the game when you think about parking, you think about tickets, you think about food, alcohol. And there are, are, are some of you that can afford that, and it's a drop in the bucket. But for a lot of our listeners, which I don't blame you for complaining, this could price a lot of people out of going to games at Walton Arena. The football facility is big enough where you can go. You're always going to have the Hogman in baseball, or at least knock on wood you're going to have that. This, by condensing it, it's going to make things more expensive and, again, more appeal because there's less tickets it's difficult for just the average show to go to games or well, much less be a season ticket holder.
3: The seats they'll pull out won't be upper deck end zone corners. You know, the, the ones that are open now, even on the biggest of opponents. I mean, Duke was a hard sellout. Even the Alabama games and the, in the, in the Kentucky games in recent times, upper deck corners haven't been, you know, slam full up there. Those aren't the seats they'll take out. It'll be the ones that are in more demand down low. I think they'll move the media to the upper deck at some point and open up some more seats down low. Do you reduce the number of student tickets that go into the overflow of the upper deck? That's got to be looked at at some point. There's not much public um, uh, empathy or or much public understanding when you say reduce the number of student tickets. But you're going to have to do something to offset all of this to make sure that you still have the money coming in to fund your program. Yeah. I still think the biggest challenge that Hunter Yuricek has ahead of him is the obvious one, and that's how do you come up and raise $100 million to do this?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's the uh, the question that's been on our minds throughout the morning as we you know, welcome it.
3: Winning. That's how you do yeah. it. You no, win, you get to a Final Four, the money will come in.
2: As we welcome in our friend Tom Murphy here of the Arkansas Democratic Zen Whole Hog Sports. Tom... I know this has been a discussion amongst your coworkers the last few days. What is the feedback that you've gotten from fans and your readers in, in talking about the potential renovations to Bud Walton Arena?
1: Well, it's along the lines of the things you guys were just discussing, which I heard, which, you know, good, intelligent discussion. Um, you know, the SEC just announced revenues, um, I think it was last week or possibly early this week, and they're going up, and so you got more and more revenues coming into your coffers. But the expenses, when you just start looking at them, uh, salaries, buyouts, uh, upgrades to facilities, um, those just keep skyrocketing as well. And so, yeah, I mean, a person that makes my kind of salary uh, would be very uncomfortable trying to be a season ticket holder or... You know, bring bring a large contingent to a football game or something. So um, it's just uh, the kind of the the cost of doing business in today's modern college athletics is uh, uh, expenses go up and costs go up.
2: Tom, the other thing we've been discussing this morning is jersey in the rafters, and your colleague Matt Jones were a really good piece talking with Sidney Moncrief and uh, Joe Klein and mentioning a few other names and how again you've only got two players. That are currently up in Bud Walton Arena from the men's basketball team. What is your opinion of adding to or keeping the same of rafters or jerseys in the rafters in Bud Walton?
1: Um, I think more should be should go up. I mean, Sidney Moncrief to me. I, I mean, look, when I was a little kid, Hank Aaron was my guy, and then we moved to Arkansas. Um, in like 76, and there I was, an impressionable teenager, couldn't drive yet. And when the triplets came along, I mean, I latched on to that. And so, to me, that image of Sidney Moncrief on the Sports Illustrated coming back to dunk and all, it's just like, it's, it's, it's very impactful, very powerful. So, Sidney Moncrief to me is iconic. And, yeah, he needs, he needs to go up. I was walking behind him. Walk into a game about four or five years ago, and I was, like, starstruck. And I, I'm very outgoing and forward. I'll usually, like, go, you know, Joe Klein in front of me or somebody. I'll go, hey, man. I couldn't bring myself to even say, Mr. Moncrief, hello. So um, I, I, I was starstruck. He needs to be there. Um, look, Darren McFadden's jersey number, I mean, what is taking so long to retire Darren McFadden's jersey uh, so I could go on and on about this yeah
3: Tom Murphy with us on the McClarty Daniel hotline next chance for a legend to be born, I guess would be Valentine's Night Tennessee coming in. I don't think many will be predicting the hogs to uh to upset the balls but this is you know these are the kind of moments the kind of environments against a player like connect where you know you you can make a a legendary name for yourself
1: you could and connect certainly is doing a lot of damage I mean I detailed how the scoring race. It could come down to him and Mark Sears. In conference play, they're both averaging over 20. Uh, but I was listening to the A&M broadcast driving back from something the other night, I, I guess the game, and um, Connect was out of the game for large stretches because A&M was driving the ball on him, and uh, Rick Barnes was saying that you know our guys were opening up their hips too much and, and allowing drivers to get past them. So Connect was coming out of the game for defensive purposes. So, to me, that's a that's a lesson that these Arkansas guards need to try to blow past him as well. But he's going to get his. Uh, Tennessee certainly going to be uh, have their mat on after training by as many as 22 points against the Aggies. Um, and, you know, Rip Barnes, he's got, I think, one win here with Texas. So, uh, I mean, he's got a great record in Rupp Arena and all, but not a great record in Walton. So, you know, if the Razorbacks want to keep any kind of this you know, late conference season mojo going, winning this game would be a huge, huge deal. Yeah. So what
3: should the mindset or the goal be moving forward? You, you've reintegrated Devo into the lineup. You're still trying to, I guess, reconfigure uh, you know, rotations at this point. Look, Looking ahead on the next eight or nine games, what is a realistic goal for this team with what's left?
1: Uh, well, I mean, Finishing the rest of the season above 500 would be a big deal. I mean, they've got a long way to go to get their conference record back to 500. But I mean, they have still got some tough games left. Starting with Tennessee, they still got to play Bama. They still got to go to Kentucky. Uh, there's some there's some tough games left. So, um, but you know, there's also the chance they got LSU coming in here, Missouri coming in. They got a And M on the road. Um, I, I just think continuing to show improvement, continuing to try to imprint and and identity on, on who they are and, and i do believe that uh, a little more physicality from a kai mitchell in the interior has been a part of that um and then let the three-point shooting maybe kind of take care of itself when guys are open and not push it as much but just being able to stay on the board with uh teams like in tennessee are going to be important and um um, and then trying to settle on what what your guard play looks like. I mean, that's just been a constant struggle all season long.
2: Tom, do we see Trev Brazil play another minute this season?
1: You know, I, you know, we, we went through this with Nick Smith last year, uh, right? I mean, and so I, I I'm not sure what his knee maintenance looks like. Um, and, you know, I think we talked um, a couple of weeks ago about how Eric Musselman is is an astute coach and showed grace. In how he dealt with Devo Davis, and I think it reflected on his years in the pros. And I think the same thing applies here. I mean, l- let the trainers, let the doctors, and let Trevin all decide, and you know what what happens, happens. And they're they're trying to forge their identity without Trevin. And if he's able to come back, then maybe they're they're in a better place to reintegrate him into the lineup at that point.
2: And I think about the just the rotation that you mentioned. Uh, Chuck was talking about this with Must last night. L Ellis doesn't play like the last two games, and then it comes in and have one of the better games of the of the season. We've seen sometimes yeah. that's hurt. We've seen times that to help. Do you think players are, are extra motivated when they're they're not playing the last couple of games and they actually get the opportunity? How, how do you think that factors in to guys stepping up like L did on Saturday?
1: Well, if you're looking for team cohesion, you really hope they're motivated. I mean, so now that applies to Khalif's battle, right? I mean, he had some great games in pre-conference. Hasn't been quite the same in conference. And I think his minutes are a little bit reflective of, you know, attitude about defense and uh, sticking to the game plan and things like that. Um, And it's nice to see that L. Ellis, I mean, his post-game remarks were, I've been practicing this whole time. I've been ready. I know I can help this team. And you can see what his strengths are. Uh, the only, you know, one of the knocks would be sometimes he'll go in full tilt and he gets into the trees and and leaves his feet and doesn't have a decision. So that's led to some of the turnovers. But he cut down on that the other day, and, and Keon Minifield was a guy who would drive the baseline and step get get wedged to, to step <laughs> out of bounds. So he's the one who needs to. To uh, be a little bit more aware of his
2: surroundings. I, I, I love how they they kind of made reference to that in the show last night. Must just started kind of shaking his head uh, to this point in time. <laughs> Tom, uh, Super Bowl wise, we again we had there a lot of the reaction on on Monday, and I know Kansas City doing what they did. What did you think of the incident between Travis Kelsey and Andy Reid? And was that overblown, yeah. or, or do you think Reid or Kelsey should have got more flack for basically getting in a sixty-two-year-old coach's face?
1: Well, I didn't like it at all, especially making contact. I mean, you can be angry that you weren't, weren't in on that play or whatever, but man, that was not a good look. Uh, Kelsey is a singular guy. I mean, there I don't there's anybody like him in the pros right now. And I've been on Twitter. I've just seen you know the post game and hanging out with his brother. It's just that's just they live their lives out there, and I'm not a fan of that at all. Uh, thankfully. You got a coach in Andy Reid who takes that kind of thing in stride. Didn't lose his composure or what have you. And Kelsey made a huge play. You know, the the play before the touchdown, it was a second and seven, and so um, the Chiefs are so good at the way they scheme. They threw that pass on the interior to Kelsey. I mean, that was all between the tackle boxes. And I I had paused the game for one second to try to sync up my Chiefs radio broadcast to the to the game broadcast. And I saw three Niners converging on Kelsey right around the 10-yard line and thought, oops, this is going to be third and long. It's about to tighten up. And, no, he breaks through those and gets all the way down to the three or the four, moves the sticks so they're first and goal, and they score a touchdown on the next play. So the guy, he's a great talent. Um, I, I think he's fortunate to have a coach in Andy Reid who can put up with his shenanigans, so to speak. I, don't, I didn't like it at all. It's a bad example for the kids